Wow, what a blessing this morning has been. Um, I was uh, sitting in my seat thinking about uh, what a privilege it is to be part of a, a church um, that values its children and gets to have them uh, participate in worship um, and share together in that way. I'll tell you just a one quick funny thing. I don't want to spend too much time, but you know, the children kept coming in and out of the rows to different things with their parents. And Felicitas, I hope you don't mind me sharing this, but Felicitas was sitting with the shirked baby on her lap and the opening song started and Giovanna marched over and went past me one more time and said something to her mom. And after she went back over, uh, Felicitas said, Giovanna came and told me I needed to stand up to sing. <laughs> so, oh, thank you, God, for children. Well, on this uh, third Sunday of Advent, we're focusing our attention on joy. Our scripture this morning for the message is Luke chapter 2, verses 8 to 20. Sorry about that. Luke 2, 8 to 20. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby, who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. We thank you, Lord, this morning for this part of your word that inspires us, that opens us to... Um, the miracle of, of your birth. We thank you for your coming. We thank you for this season of Advent. We wait in anticipation. Come thou long expected Jesus into our hearts this morning. Amen. <clears throat> we can only imagine what that night might have been like for the shepherds who were living out in the fields near Bethlehem tending their flocks, keeping watch over their sheep through the night, protecting them from the nighttime predators who might have found the sheep an easy meal had they not had such care. I like J.B. Phillips' wording of this story in his translation of the New Testament. He said, there were some shepherds living in that same part of the country, keeping guard throughout the night over their flock in the open fields. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord stood before them, the splendor of the Lord blazed around them, and they were terror-stricken. 
How afraid might you have been if you were caring for your sheep in the dark night in an open field as you had done every night and suddenly it was as bright as day with an angel of the Lord standing before you? I would have been terror stricken too. The splendor of the Lord blazing around the shepherds reminds me of the prophecy in Isaiah 9-2, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light on those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. The first announcement from God of the birth of his son comes to these shepherds, lowly, simple people who were despised by the Orthodox Jews because they weren't able to observe all the details of the ceremonial law with all its meticulous hand washings and rules and regulations. Their work in the fields didn't allow such things. This first announcement from God to the lowly shepherds is not unlike the later announcement of Jesus' resurrection, coming first to women, also considered lowly. God shows that his heart, his priorities, his values are different from that of the religious leaders of Jesus' day. The first announcement from God of the birth of the Savior comes to these shepherds, who were likely in charge of the flocks from which the morning and the evening temple offerings were chosen. The temple authorities in Jerusalem had private sheep flocks for this purpose, which were pastured near Bethlehem. The first invitation of God to see the baby who would later be called the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world may very well have come to the shepherds who were tending the unblemished lambs that would be offered at the temple as a sacrifice to God to cover the sins of the people. The angel, after urging the shepherds not to be afraid, brings them good news of great joy. The story actually begins in Luke 1 with a visit from another angel and the birth of John the Baptist. The earlier angel said to Zechariah, your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you shall call his name John, and you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord, and he will go before him to make ready for the Lord a people prepared for him. Even before John was born, the message was a message of joy. The Lord promised that people would rejoice at the birth of John because he would pave the way for the Christ. The joy God's people would have in Jesus was so real and so intense that they would feel it looking into the face of the messenger, a man set apart to declare the coming of the king. Then the second angel in our passage in Luke 2 came to announce to the shepherds that the baby Jesus was born, that the Messiah himself came forth from heaven through his mother's womb. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. And after this pronouncement, a vast host of the angels of heaven appeared and praise to God rang out. Those shepherds heard the chorus of heavenly praise, and God's children have been singing of this joy for generations since. In recent centuries, it has sounded like joy to the world. The Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room. A package arrived at our house this week, and along with the item ordered, it contained a card that said, 
36 things that bring joy, at least according to the president of this company. Here was her list. A compliment, fresh roses, sparkly shoes. That one strikes me funny. A sunny day, finding a penny and making a wish, candlelight, the smell of fir trees, a smile, a taxi cab on a rainy night, the first snowstorm of the season, a favorite song on the radio, black and white dot umbrellas, the night sky, chocolate, the first cup of coffee, a hug from an old friend, lily of the valley in spring, a handwritten note, balloons, birthday cake, rainy Sunday afternoons, movie soundtracks, bubble baths, open top cars, the wind in my hair, a room with a view, fortune cookies, old movies, a full moon, the perfect shade of red lipstick, road trips, diamonds and pearls, please, thank you, the Empire, the Empire State Building lit up in pink, and lastly, possibilities. Those, these are things that may make a person happy, or make this person happy at least, or things that may be enjoyed. I'm not so sure about them bringing any kind of deep inner joy. Happiness is often related to our circumstances. Joy is something deeper, something in our spirits. While our circumstances may fluctuate and our happiness meter may go up and down, joy is something that's core to our being. Joy in the scriptures refers to an inner delight, an inner gladness. Unlike this list of 36 things that this author says brings joy, as I've been meditating on this passage throughout recent weeks, um, I only know of a few things that I think can truly bring joy. The first is birth. The second is connection relationship. And the third is giving. And all three of these are part of the story God gives us here in Luke's gospel. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. Birth brings joy. The birth of a child, the adoption of a child, the addition of a grandchild, niece, nephew, friend's child. Ryan and I went out to breakfast the other day on his first morning back after getting home from school the night before. And to our surprise, there in Mechanicsburg, at the restaurant we were eating at, Kevin and Barb Kelly were also there, along with their adorable grandson, Sarah and Adam Barron's son, Cedric, who recently turned one year old. Their joy of being with their grandson was palpable. It could be seen and felt. There's true joy in having a child in your life. It's also possible that the birth of a dream or a calling can bring joy, whether individually or corporately. This church experienced this kind of joy two decades or so ago when God gave the vision, the dream of a multicultural church, and the joy has grown through the years as more and more people from various cultural and racial and ethnic backgrounds have become part of the church family. Each week as we gather together, as we worship, as we build relationships, as we serve together, that joy grows. And there's new birth when a person opens their heart to Christ. This is a cause of great joy 
We experienced this as a church just, at, just last month as Pastor Woody shared of his father's surrender to Christ at the end of his earthly life. There was hardly a dry eye in this place as we rejoiced with the angels and Pastor Woody's dad yielding his stubborn, sinful heart to the love of God in Christ. In Luke's Gospel in chapter 15, three parables told by Jesus are shared. The parable of the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. At the end of both the lost sheep and the lost coin parables, Jesus directly states that there's rejoicing in heaven by the angels of God when one sinner repents. And though not stated directly in the parable of the lost son, the rejoicing is implied as the father throws a party for the lost son who has come back home. Such joy can be experienced today as well, as any of us surrender our heart and will and life to Christ and his lordship. I'll never forget the night of Friday, April 14th, 1978, when I was 17 and a half years old. It's the spring of my senior year of high school. I had opened my heart to Christ years before, but on this night, I experienced what I consider to be a much deeper surrender of my life to the Lord. And the joy that I experienced in that moment is beyond what I'm able to describe in, in words. But maybe someone else's words capture at least some of the change that God brought into my life at that time. Throughout my junior and senior high school years, I babysat for a family with two young boys. I even lived with them for several summers. The mother, her name was Judy, had grown up in a Christian home, but did not follow Christ herself. At some point in the months that followed this deep commitment of my life to Christ, she gave me a poem she had written about the change in my life called, They Are the Same. Judy had cancer a year or so after I moved here to Pennsylvania and she died the following year, a little more than 30 years ago. So this handwritten gift of her words is something that I cherish, but it's especially meaningful to me because it witnesses to the change, the joy Christ brought in my life. So I scanned her poem. Josh is gonna put it up. They are the same. I had a friend, young, sad and doubting, never smiling, never comfortable, so unreachable, so unforgiving, but not uncaring. I had a friend, withdrawn, unhappy and alone, never demanding, never sharing, so misunderstood, so depressed, but not unloving. I have a friend, still young, now assertive and alive, always optimistic, always giving, so understanding, so fulfilled, and very close to God. This is the new birth that we can experience. Do not be afraid, Josh, you can take that down. Do not be afraid, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. The second thing that brings joy to our lives is connection and relationship. And certainly the greatest joy comes from connection with the Lord. Jesus himself describes the joy that we will experience when we abide in him and when we love one another in John 
15, 9 to 11. He says, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Brennan Manning, in his profound little book, The Rabbi's Heartbeat, helps us to see the value of drawing close in relationship with Christ. He wrote about a retreat he took. He said, on a recent five-day silent retreat, I spent the entire time in John's gospel. Whenever a sentence caused my heart to stir, I wrote it out longhand in a journal. The first of many entries was also the last. The disciple Jesus loved was reclining next to Jesus. He leaned back on Jesus's breast. We must not hurry past this scene, he wrote, in search of deeper revelation or we will miss a magnificent insight. John lays his head on the heart of God, on the breast of the man whom the Council of Nicaea defined as God from God, light from light, true God from true God. God allows a young Jew, reclining in the rags of his 20-something years, to listen to his heartbeat. Have we ever seen the human Jesus at closer range? As John leans back on the breast of Jesus and listens to the heartbeat of the great rabbi, he comes to know him in a way that surpasses mere cognitive knowledge. What a world of difference lies between knowing about someone and knowing him. In a flash of intuitive understanding, Brennan Manning goes on, John experiences Jesus as the human face of the God who is love. And in coming to know who the great rabbi is, John discovers who he is, the disciple Jesus loved. God wrapped himself in flesh so that we could draw near to him, so that we could lay against his chest and hear his heartbeat. Frederick Buechner wrote, repent and believe in the gospel, Jesus says. Turn around and believe that the good news that we are loved is better than we ever dared hope. And that to believe in that good news, to live out of it and toward it, to be in love with that good news, is of all the glad things in this world, the gladdest thing of all. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. The third thing that brings joy to our lives is giving. In the materialistic world we live in, it would seem that we would experience joy in getting. We're encouraged to want and want and to seek to get an ever-increasing amount of stuff. Each new thing we accumulate enriches our lives, right? I've been fascinated this Christmas season with some of the commercials that I've seen on TV. I don't remember um, seeing these kind of things before. Walmart, for example, has had at least a couple commercials, maybe several, that aren't advertising any specific thing. And they depict children getting gifts on Christmas morning. We see them squealing and dancing and hugging their gifts. The children obviously so happy with what they've received. But the interesting thing to me is that also pictured in these commercials are the givers. The parents peeking out from around the tree, for instance, to witness their child's celebration. The joy of the givers is just as apparent, if not more so, 
than that of the gift receivers. This was especially true in a Toyota commercial that aired just after Thanksgiving. Perhaps you saw it. In the ad, a couple is driving to their parents' homestead in order to cut up a massive old tree that fell down. The woman tells her husband that the tree meant a lot to her parents. Later, we see the woman going through old family photo albums where the tree is prominently featured. Her parents, in their younger years, had carved their initials into the bark. The woman remembers being a child and taking her parents' photo as they stood in front of the solid trunk of the tree near their carved initials. So when the woman's parents, now grandparents, arrive for Christmas dinner, they're surprised to find that the family has repurposed the wood of the tree into a gorgeous farm table, complete with the initials they'd carved all those years before. The parents are obviously emotional and touched by such love, and even the people watching the commercial are emotional and touched by such love. They have joy in the gift, but their daughter, their daughter, seems to have even deeper joy in the giving. In John 3.16, Jesus shares with us the heart of God. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. The gift of Jesus that night in Bethlehem, along with the words of the angel, today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. These are the deepest expression of God's love for us. God, we learn through Jesus, gives. And if we're to be like him, we must give too. We must give our time. We must give our gifts and talents and interests and passions. We must give our money and our resources. We must give ourselves. And when we give, we receive even more. We receive joy from the Lord. Hudson Taylor, the great missionary to China, said it is in the path of obedience and self-denying service that God reveals himself most intimately to his children. When it costs most, we find the greatest joy. We find the darkest hour the brightest and the greatest loss the highest gain. While the sorrow is short-lived and will soon pass away, the joy, he said, is, more, is far more exceeding and it is eternal. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. These were the words of the angel on that blessed night when the sky was ablaze with the Lord's splendor, when the lowly shepherds were chosen to receive a heavenly messenger and message, and when these same lowly shepherds were the first to share the message with all who would listen. Have you opened your heart to that good news of great joy? Have you experienced new birth, a changed heart and life because of Jesus? Today, today, you may have the kind of experience with Jesus that I had on April 14, 1978, a life-altering one, one that changes you on the inside and changes the trajectory of the rest of your life. Have you laid your head on the breast of Jesus and listened to his heartbeat 
connecting with him in such a close way, receiving his love for you. Today, may you take a step to draw close to him, as vulnerable as it may make you feel, and listen to his heartbeat. And have you learned the truth of Jesus from Acts 20, 35? It's more blessed to give than to receive. Today, may you open your wallet, open your home, open your heart, commit your time, commit your talents, pour yourself out on behalf of others. In new birth, in drawing close and connecting with Jesus and in giving, we can experience joy deep and abiding joy that is one of the, the fruit of the Spirit's presence in our lives. Don't be afraid, the angel said. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people, even you. We thank you, Lord, for this message of joy. We pray that you would plant that joy deep within us, God. Renew our hearts. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. As we join together in a closing song, we invite the intercessors to come to the front. If there are things that you need prayer for, would appreciate brothers and sisters lifting uh, things to God with